You are listening to TJ Talks. Be aware, this show contains explicit language. All right, here we go. You are listening to TJ Talks. <laughs> All right, hey, welcome to TJ Talks. I'm Judd, and with me today, welcome back, Teresa. Hey, Judd, I'm back. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We, you've been on hiatus, on vacation. No, I know it's <laughs> no vacation at all. <laughs> That's me. I'm just laying on the couch eating bonbons all day. That's me, yes. Man. No, it hasn't been vacation, but it has been crazy intense. So, And, and I'll talk a little, bit of, a little bit about it when we get to one of our topics today because it has a little uh, tie-in. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's great to be back. I've missed doing this. I didn't realize how much uh, I hold inside when we don't have this outlet for venting. It's really interesting. I definitely vent on this podcast, and it's like therapy. So anyway, we're back to trying to do this when we can do this uh, weekly, which would be great. Yeah. Uh And I do want to commend you for keeping it going, and Ellen's Stepping in is amazing and all that fun stuff. And obviously, you know, we definitely have a few listeners, and I've appreciated the sentiments about missing my voice on the podcast, too. So if you're a listener and you miss my voice, but you want your voice on it, you can always call in and do a show with Judd. He's always available. <laughs> He's open to uh, another podcast partner. So don't be strangers. Let, let us know what you want to talk about, and you can talk about it with Judd if I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, How are you, Ed? It feels like I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's it's crazy. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Having a good summer? It's it's a hot summer here in Florida. It's raining, which that's what it's supposed to do in the summer here. And I think I've mentioned that long ago in the past that it in California it doesn't rain in the summer. Rarely. In the But in the winter it rains, all, at least it used to, rain all the time. <laughs> Yeah, we can have a lot of rain, but you're right. During the summer, we don't. We and and we've had weird summers too, where they're really mild here. So we we're doing okay with that. But yeah, it looks like it's hot and messy. Is that whole New York heat wave? Does that affect you all the way down there in Florida? I, I think what Florida has its own tropical climate, and so uh, we we're not affected by that really. We're affected more by the hurricanes and things. And summer's hurricane season, so we get a lot of rain from that. Are you prepared for hurricane? Like, do you have emergency preparedness stuff in your garage? I have a generator. Okay, that's good. That's <laughs> About good. that, which needs to be ran probably today. <laughs> Put that on your Put on my list to, of things to do. To, yeah. to do list. Uh, I have a plenty of canned foods. I probably don't have enough water. Right. But I, I do, know. And I probably need to get more gas for the generator. Yeah. And standby. Uh, so, what good is a, a generator without gas? I know. It's so funny that they tell us all the time, be prepared. I mean, I live in earthquake country, and I should be prepared better with emergency supplies, and we're not. What was it, six months ago? We thought the world was coming to an end on on the podcast? That's right. It was going to be the apocalypse. Not the zombie apocalypse, but just a regular apocalypse, right? Yeah. Well, that's true. Down here, we we do have zombies. Yeah. Because we're close to Haiti. Oh, that's true. You do get that. Yes. That's funny. Right. Well, all right. So what are we going to talk about today, Jen? Well, we have three really – was it three or four great topics? Kind of three. three or four. So, something like that. We're going to talk about uh, remakes in general. You know, Do the, we really need them? Right. Franchises and things like that. And then we're going to talk about libraries. 
Yeah. We really need them. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Sandusky trial a little bit. Oh, we really don't need him. Right. And then finally, the New York soda ban. Correct. That'll be a fun one. I like that one. Uh, yeah, we sh- well, we should get started because we got lots to cover. Lots to cover. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. So, you know, talking about movies, which we like to talk about a lot on the podcast. The sand. Let's see here. The latest movie you, you were talking about. How there's a the what is it? the Prometheus movie is a prequel. It's a prequel, so it's part of the Aliens franchise, right? Right. And then we've got the Spider-Man reboot. So it's not really a sequel. It's a re retelling of the same tale again, as I understand it. And does anybody need this? Like. It's, all these superhero movies, they're great and fun, and they're summertime fun movies. But we've had so many Spider-Mans now. I'm confused as to how many Spider-Men there are. Although the new guy, Ar- Arnie Hammer, is that him? I, I the new even, guy who's playing him? Yeah. He was in Social Network, and he was really cute in that. But do we just really need another Spider-Man movie? I just don't think we do. And I think it's going to not do great. Well, it's kind of like... You know, the only reason I think that we've got a Spider-Man movie coming out that I can think of. Okay. <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. Is now Disney owns the Marvel Universe. and You're probably right. I guess this is probably green light lit because of that. And they so had to do- they want to bring Spider-Man and they can't take the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And that is owned by whatever other movie company has the franchise on that movie. So mm-hmm. Disney can't use that likeness in its promotion ability. And so in order to be able to promote Spider-Man through the Disney franchise, um, they had to reboot it. Does that, well, there, does that make it sense? Makes, it totally makes sense that that's why they're doing it. Yeah. And off coming off the heels of the Avengers success, yeah. um, I guess it could go either way, right? It might do well because people want to see another Disney Marvel movie because Avengers was so great. But I just feel like they've beaten this dead arachnid to a pulp as far as doing the Spider-Man stuff. But you never know. Well, here now let's talk about uh, remakes that never need to be remade. (laughs) Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. It was an interesting idea to remake that. And, of course, Johnny Depp is great. Tim Burton's awesome. But... It just didn't work very well for the general public, right? There are things about that movie that are interesting, and visually it's interesting, but it probably didn't need to be remade. I don't think it did, but I i mean, even though it was truer in a lot of ways to the book, right? I, I don't feel, though, that it added to the collective mind of, of the Wonka movie thing. I, I think that Gene Wilder is still Willy Wonka, and, and we know that from the 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 uh, memes on the internet, you know, condescending right. Wonka. Yes. You know, is it, it? No, no one thinks of of Johnny Depp as Wonka. They think of Gene Wilder as Wonka. Gene Wilder is Wonka. Yeah, there's the, no yeah, the, there's no changing that. Right, That's and really and, funny. And even if you're a ten year old kid, the Wonka that you're seeing is Gene Wilder. Yeah, pretty much. You know, they've already you know washed over the Depp character. Well, it'd be like if they tried to remake, and this is the movie that's my favorite movie ever of all time and nearest, dearest to my heart, and I love this book. If they tried to remake Gone with the Wind. Oh, really? Okay. Like, there'd be no reason to do that. It's an American classic. Right. Um, 
I think when they try to remake The Wizard of Oz, because haven't they tried to do that too? Did they? Oh well, I mean, they, they made they made The Wiz, but that's a different that that was just a different take on that story. So I don't consider that necessarily a remake as just a whole different stylization. Yeah, but I think didn't they do a TV movie that was the remake of The Wizard of Oz? I, I just let's hmm. leave these classic things alone, right? Well, I don't well, think they need to redo yeah. those. Well, see now here's the thing: um, Raw Dahl wrote a sequel to the that movie that book. The, Willy Wonka, right? The, the Charlie Char- and the Charlie Factory. Factory. He wrote right, Charlie, right. Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. So if they would have just said, let's make Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, I would have bought right into it and it would have been just fine. Um, uh, Wizard of or yeah, Wizard of Oz. Um, right. There was a, a TV movie, I think TNT did it, starring yes. Zoe Deschanel. Called Tin oh, Man. Dear. Oh gosh, so you probably loved it. I did love it, but but here's the thing: the reason why I loved it was because it used the um, the world of um, the Wizard of Oz, and okay. and it's not unrealistic because uh, Frank L. Baum, who wrote the Wizard of Oz, because everybody in the, that day who was avid readers, not like us today, which were avid moviegoers. They 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 wanted more. They wanted more of their beloved characters because it was a great book of the day. And he wrote a lot of sequels to that. There is a whole um, span of books by him that you could read about the whole wi- uh, Wizard of Oz land. So it's not just one little movie that they made. It was really yeah. A it was book. kind of Dickensian, and it was a, like a saga that continued it, on. It, it right? was. It was yeah. totally a saga of stuff yeah. going on there. So, and then you get the most amazing part of that story now, or the modern part addition to that is the Wicked series that has, or you know, the Wicked book that correlates there too. Now that's true. That is a completely different take. They, you know, it's not a retelling exactly. It is a retelling, but from a different perspective. From a different perspective, which yes. is really fun, which makes it really good. But I yeah. think. I think what we were trying to, and I think we were trying to say that you know some things just shouldn't be remade. And then, so not movie lines, but in a recent survey between Vanity Fair and 60 Minutes, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Americans that want to redo the national anthem. I, I don't understand this. Do we need to have a new national anthem? And they want Bruce Springsteen to do it. What do you think about this? Well, you know, you bring up a, a very time time-honored question. <laughs> Are you a Springsteen fan? I am a Br- Springsteen fan. All but right. I definitely do not think Born in the USA is should be the anthem. No, no, no. They don't want that to be the anthem. They want him to pin the new national anthem or whatever. Well, I don't know. See? His gravelly voice to sing it. Bruce Springsteen, I respect for his artistic quality and what he's done for the music. I'm not a Springsteen fan like a lot of people are. So, I, to me, he doesn't sway me in that way. But I just... Okay, first of all, what other country rewrites their national anthem unless they've had some sort of military coup and right. change everything about themselves and okay. then they have to get a new anthem? Okay, but here, here's the thing. If you think historically about our national anthem, for a while I think America the Beautiful was the national anthem because it wasn't always the Star Spangled Banner, I don't believe. Well, we didn't have one until he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. No, I think it was America the Beautiful, which actually it- used the same melody and music as the British. It's okay, the, so it's the God Save the Queen music set to uh, you know, that America the Beautiful 
Are you saying America Beautiful or My Country Tis of Thee? Oh, My Country Tis of Thee. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. That's the English. That's the one. And one. and, and yeah. that used to be, I think, our anthem before uh, the Star Spangled Banner. Interesting. I, I believe. Okay. Now, in moving forward into the 20th century, and do you remember singing in – because I, I remember we used to do Patri- – uh, the, in the morning before school or right at the start of school, we did – Pledge of Allegiance, and then we had to sing a patriotic song. Did you guys have to do that too? We did. We would sing, yeah, so this is my so, country. Right. right. <laughs> so I learned all sorts of those things, like your grand old flag and uh, all that stuff. And I bet you the kids these days don't do any of that in school. All right. So here, okay, okay. let's clarify so, uh, this for the listeners. My yeah. country, Tis of mm-hmm. also known as, quote unquote, America. Yeah. Um, the lyrics were written by Samuel Francis Smith. Mm-hmm. Served as the de facto national anthem of the U.S. Mm-hmm. before the adoption of the Star Spangled Banner as the official anthem in just 1931. Okay, so I get I a need bell. To, you get yeah, ding ding ding. You win. I owe you a coffee. Okay, so fine. So we so we didn't even have a national anthem until 1931. Right. We, so we haven't had this one that long. I don't think it needs to be changed. So, so, I really don't. But get, you know, but what they've really been there was a, a big lobby out there to change it to this land is your land. By Arlo Guthrie, I think is the name. Is oh yeah, right? by Woody Guthrie. Woody, right? Woody, yeah, Woody yeah. Guthrie. The this land is your land. This okay. land is my land. And in fact, if you go on the internet somewhere, there's a um, an interview with Bruce Springsteen where he talks all about this. And, oh really? So yeah. he's talked about this before. Yes. Yeah, so okay. he's he's put his hat name in the hat in the foyer of national anthems in this whole thing with uh, Woody Guthrie. And I guess, you know, Woody Guthrie at that time was kind of like, you know, he's a, he was a folk singer and he, not a country singer, but a folk singer and went across the country barefoot and penniless. And, you know, it just, you know, there's a whole lot to this story apparently than just, it's some song that people picked up on. Right. No, I get it. And I appreciate, I appreciate folk music in that regard and all the folk patriotic music. Great. Mm. But let me ask you this. What if somebody said, I've got a great new, um, let's see, Ralph Lauren is an American designer, right? Is he? <laughs> yes. Okay. What if Ralph Lauren has a new design for the flag? Are we going to change the flag? I mean, I just don't think we need to change these things. And I'm all about change and progress, but there's no progress necessary in the national anthem. Uh, you know, we just can't, we can't change these things. I, Okay. I don't like. Okay, in a quick analysis of the Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> <laughs> that nobody knows the words to, and I get it. It's not an easy song to sing. The only person who can sing it is Whitney Houston, and now she's dead in a bathtub, so she can't sing it anymore. But I think that the national anthem just needs to stay. Maybe it should be hard. Maybe it should be hard to sing because, God damn it, it's not easy being a citizen here. You got to do your part, and to sing that song, you got to do your part in practice. Uh, know. You know, is it just because of the bombs bursting in air line? That's well, that's fine. That's that, America, damn it. We got bombs bursting every day. So. You know, I, but there's got to be a reason why people want to change the anthem. Well, and this is the other thing that, that really made me crazy. There's a, two other people on the list of the top three artists. Bruce Springsteen's number one. Mm-hmm. Can you guess who the other two people were that people thought would be good at pinning and singing the new national anthem? Let's see. Um, and I'll tell you this as a hint. They could not be more diametrically opposed in their musical stylings and uh, appearance, for that matter. Really? 
Yes. Oh, so some like jazzy G or yeah, Jay Z. Jay Z. No, yeah. are you serious? Jay Z. <laughs> you know, I just like threw that out there, like as a, as a joke. Bitch, one of them is Jay Z. <laughs> And is he going to give the na- sing the national anthem or write the national anthem? Okay, so guess who the other one is? Um, um, what's his name? Um, it's not. A, I'll give. It's a female. Oh, it's a female. It's a female. A, a female. It, she's probably. It's that French gal that I just dumped on the other day who did the, her heart will go on. Oh, Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Celine. That would be funny to have a non-American do it too. That'd be that'd be just like us. Right. It's, it's Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I could see that. I could see that. Springsteen, Jay Z, Dolly Parton, and you know, and it's and here's the weird six degrees of separation. Of course, Dolly Parton famously wrote "I Will Always Love You," another famously crooned song by the bathtub dead Whitney Houston. Right. So there's a little bit of connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I just don't think it needs to be changed. I don't. Uh, you know, I agree that the national anthem should just kind of sit as the national is. I mean, we cha- we should change the pledge of allegiance back to the, what it was before without the God part. Yeah. That wasn't even done until like the seventies. Right. Something like that. I mean, is there a real reason for, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I don't have a problem saying it, but I know there's plenty of people who do. And, uh, it, yeah, that under God line was added in 1950-something. Was it the 50s? Or it was in the 50s, oh, it was the 50s. yeah. Okay. During the whole uh, McCarthy thing, the Red Scare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a recent addition, or not a terribly old thing. It's fairly recent when you think about it like that. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a whole other debate, but it's definitely something well, you know. And maybe that's what I like about. There's not a whole lot of God mentioned in the national anthem, is there? It's pretty. There, I don't think there's any God mentioned. In yeah, it. which right. I like that. And, and we yeah, we don't need God everywhere and everything. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, maybe we should move on. Uh oh, we're we're stepping on toes and, <laughs> and feet aye, aye. and trampling everything. Well, talking about the government, well, oh. this what a perfect transition from spangled banners and things to to libraries. And uh, of course that was a thing that in modern days created by Benjamin Franklin, right? Right. He's the creator of the modern library system as we and know. Dewey it. Decimal. Did he create that? No, I don't, did he, mis- I don't think. I'm sure Dewey it was mis- Dewey, right? Yeah, Dewey, yeah, did. Yeah, Dewey did. But <laughs> it's important to the library system, Dewey Decimal. Not anymore. <laughs> IP address. That's what matters to them. That's what matters. All right. So there's up where here locally, there's a, a large LA County library mm-hmm. in the city of Pomona that's about to close because the funding for the library is going away rapidly, as is funding for everything else. And the citizens are in an uproar. And and one of the one of my favorite people who podcasts, Adam Carolla, jokes about libraries and, and we can't possibly close libraries because where are the homeless people going to go to use the internet? Because basically <laughs> Libraries can be filled with some miscreants, but the theme and the purpose of libraries is having free access to information. Agreed? I agree. That we should have that, right? And that with the internet, which isn't free for everybody to access unless you go to McDonald's and use their free Wi-Fi um, and have a device that you have to pay for to get on the internet. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. You can't access it. 
So the, the necessity of the library is still important. But do you think, let's fast forward 25 years. Yeah. Will, will we have reached, will the poverty level or, or whatever that term is you'd like to call it, be enough that, that everyone will have some sort of device, for the most part, to get online? And so then if we all kind of have it, like now they, the big complaint about poor people today is how they're not really poor. We've, they've all got flat screen TVs and refrigerators. Do you hear this statistic being touted all the time? You, you and, know, I believe that until I see homeless people. Oh, and I, please no, I'm just trying to give you this background uh, oh, yeah. thing. No, here, that's true. Okay? That's true. That, we, that poor is different than what poor used to be. I'm not saying people aren't hungry. I'm not saying any of that. But even poor now – can mean having a cell phone and having maybe a smart cell phone. Oh, so not even a doubt because the guy yeah. who's renting a place down in Cocoa Beach who won't pay his rent will still have, uh, you know, right. a, like the best Android device on the planet. <laughs> okay, nuke planet Z. Yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely so, right. So in 25 years even, and even at the poverty level, people have Internet access – then is the library necessary? And the reason I'm not, I'm not saying close all libraries, please. I'm just saying at some point, have we out-technologied ourselves for the need for this building that's dedicated to this housing of these entities when it's all housed in the well, air well, on the internet? For, first off, it's not all on the air. That's the first problem. It's not, not everything is accessible through the internet. We, we might want to believe that. But even as much as Google has scanned every little, you know, piece of literature that they can, it's right. just, it, it really is not uh, all there. Not every book has an, uh, a, a code, you know. Uh, right. No, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying that, that, what is it, that I, at some point these things are expensive to maintain, right? So maybe that's where we need to look at developing systems that can get more information on the internet. I don't know. I, I, progress in technology is unfortunately making those things less necessary, such as textbooks, right? Why my children carry a textbook is beyond me. They all can have, you know, e-readers now. Okay. Well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, before you even brought this conversation up, which we actually ad hoc brought this conversation up today, I have to tell you. I was thinking about a, a short story to write about this exact situation because I was thinking about uh, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, right? Where they burn all the books, right? But imagine this: society—it it isn't going to be the government that's going to get rid of the books; it's society ourselves that's going to get rid of the books through companies and things of this nature. And imagine if there were no books anymore, nothing existed on paper, you didn't write, then the only people who could control what you read is the media. And if it was electronic, you thought you read something, you go back, they change it, and it never existed. Okay, you're exactly, you're right. And I think what I'm trying to say is that that I, I want people to still read. I want people to still write. I just want people to be able to access information that you couldn't get today at the Pomona Library. So if I want to access stuff at the New York City Library, I should be able to do that from my 
home in Ontario mm-hmm. and not have to go there or not from the Pomona Library or, you know what I'm saying? Like every, if all of the information is available, which that's an unrealistic claim and desire, but if even more of the information was available online, I still want people to go find it. I want them to look for it. I want them to go get it. I'm not saying that I don't want anyone to read and I don't want them to have a place to go get the information. I I just think that there are ways that technology is going to make libraries harder and harder to sustain. So, And that people should not lose their desire to want to get it and to read and all of that. And I know a lot of people are dedicated to reading hard books with paper. And it's great. I'm not saying no one should do that. That's – I'm not – advocating the closing of the library but i am realistic to the thought that people are going to get away from that need to go somewhere because they have the ability to do it right here so i mean i mean here's a good reason why you need to have books is because when you're like on a cruise or airplane or something like that and the person next to you is reading you want to be able to see what they're reading say maybe you could strike up a conversation so that way, when they're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> you go, hey. Hey, I know what you're into. Uh-huh. Mommy porn. <laughs> Which I'm, I, I, I have yet to talk to somebody who's fully read the book. And, oh, I did. Oh, you did. Of course I did. Oh, yes, so, yes. So is it really mommy porn? <laughs> or is you know, that, I, it, why do they even call it that? Is it, I liked it, but mm-hmm. it is... It, 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 all right. First of all, I'm a deviant and, a, you know, a person with a lot of problems. So I thought it was fairly tame. Okay. But I think that that for women of a certain age and of a certain ilk and of a background of uh, can't really talk about things that are super that are super delicate. Yeah. I think it's a great foray for a lot of women into that. I, I think for the 20 somethings of the world now yeah. that they're so open. They're more open sexually than we were. I'm 40 somethings. So I think they are, would they would maybe scratch their head as to this isn't that big of a deal. I can get this on Twitter, right? I mean, this is not uh-huh. that earth shattering, right? It, and for me and for my liking, it took to like chapter eight to get to any good stuff, and uh, <laughs> and, and it's that whole pretty woman scenario where he has to be super rich and fabulously wealthy and mysterious, and he can't just be a normal guy who actually is a nice person, and you know, there's uh-huh. all this this stuff about it now. Were the titillating scenes titillating? Yeah, they're quite titillating. It's very interesting. And the whole bondage and domination thing right. was interesting to learn about and some of the things that go on there. Oh, so that, that was that's eye-opening to a lot of people, I A lot of people. Yeah. And and I don't think I'm giving anything away about the book by mentioning that because it's uh, – Someone, sort of someone please just send me a highlighted and ear – uh, dog-eared page to version of the copy so I can read the good stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like he licked my sex and I came and, you know, like, oh. okay. I, I get it that women are are mentally stimulated more by reading it, whereas men are visually stimulated. That's just the genetic wiring differences between oh, us as oh, oh, genders. No, guys like to read too. <laughs> yes, but trust me, if you're gonna, if someone's gonna hand you a 300-page book or an iPad directed right to you porn, you're probably going to go with the iPad, right? I mean, it's just easier. It, it just depends. Right. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Well, I think you're probably, well, whatever. But. Well, well, here, let me just tell you, this is a great, a great thing. Well, and I'm not going to get too much into the women on submarines thing because women are right? now on submarines. But when you're on the submarine, you don't have access to the internet. 
But you were on a submarine a long time ago too, and I'm not saying that you couldn't have downloaded your own whatever. Oh, I'm it, sure they. I'm sure they do download plenty. They do now, but, right? Yeah, but you know what? The, when you're uh, it, reading, well, at least when I was on board the boat, re, re, reading was uh, better than oh. pictures. Maybe after, for after, you, but after, that is not the majority of men, and I will. We shared. I would we, we all shared. We all. We it, the the I'm books sure. went around. I, you know. <laughs> I love it. So love I'm, it. I'm wondering what the women are going to do now that they got women on submarines. Well, in, hell, can you even get Fifty Shades of Grey in a library in Florida? Didn't they ban it there? In the county I live, that we, we were the national headline news that they banned it, and then they brought it back. Oh, they brought it back. After, oh, after the big uproar. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. They didn't close the library down. Oh, my God. You know, and, and talking about sex scandals, that brings us to our next topic <laughs> this one leaves a bad taste in your mouth though hey well yuck <laughs> never mind <laughs> you know that yeah. I, I was online and on twitter and there were people already making jokes about it was that one too soon to tweet uh no, why didn't see your tweet what did you it wasn't tweet mine it wasn't me oh. other people were were i haven't seen it oh man like, there were so so that... many people uh oh. one of the guys from uh what was it the, the one of the Voldemort's Okay. One of the he was tweeting about it, and mm. uh, but and his tweet was stupid. Anyways, he's like straight to Azkaban. I'm like, okay, great, you're so funny. That's funny. I think that well, convicted on forty five counts, right? All right. forty five, they just nailed it. And I, I, now the the thing that really bothered me was his adopted son coming out now, or coming out when the jury went to deliberate and saying, mm, "Yeah, me too. He got me too," and. That was – I don't know why he would choose to divulge it then and not divulge it during the trial. And what was he accomplishing by waiting to talk about his plight? Oh, I, I, could, I could tell you what I think based on that. Okay. And I have okay. not followed this at all really. But from a perspective of a person who had been possibly – you know, in so anyways, the, the thought is, is that he didn't have to stand trial – or not trial, but he didn't have to – testify against his adopted dad that if he would have come out they would have brought him up as a witness to testify to testify okay and so by doing it after all of that stuff happened then it even though the jury probably wasn't going to even hear this information correct they didn't they didn't but uh it at least it um gets something off his conscience probably okay that's what i'm thinking so so he, it was con- his conscience was bothered enough to divulge it for the jury not to know, but it wasn't bothered enough that he would take the stand against his dad. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's a scary thing. That I don't would, know. That, that I, if, be, if you're going to go with the conscious argument, yeah. I don't see what would the difference be. You've already publicly now I don't know. testified. I, why would you not sit on the stand and put your hand on the Bible and testify about it? It's horrible and it's awful and it's beyond fathom. For the sane, normal human beings, especially parents in this world, right? I don't know. Fa- family secrets and families and things are just a lot different than, you know. I know what? they carry a lot different, but if you're going to divulge it anyway, I don't know. I don't understand. I, I, I feel bad for all the victims in this situation who have 
whether – well, thank goodness the trial was fairly quick, right? It wasn't even two weeks. Yeah, I think it went pretty quick. I, and then, I, I believe though that the, the guy prop, there, there's if the jury came back with a guilty on that, on that many counts, I think that they, there must have been enough evidence to convict him. That well, was not uh, terrible. I, you know, I mean, and we know it happens a lot. I mean, look at all these darn teachers in Florida that are getting convicted. <laughs> female teachers that are in their twenties, good looking. <laughs> and, and I know you're thinking, why didn't this happen to me when I was in, in I, high school? I, why didn't we have some hot, good looking teachers? <laughs> it, it did not happen. I'm telling you what. I, the, there would have been no, uh, the, no one would have ever found out. <laughs> but, <laughs> you wouldn't have pressed any charges. No, that's for sure. no way. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get how they get caught. I just don't. Oh, well, I think nowadays how they get caught is because there's people too many with texting and Text, pictures. Technology. And stuff, you know, yeah. technology gets you caught all the time. But I feel like in the Sandusky thing, I mean, just we'll close that off. Is the man's twisted. He'll hopefully rot in jail, and and too bad it's taken. It took that long for him to to get this justice. It's too bad. So so to go back to our first topic a little bit, um, Sandusky, Ohio. Are they going to have to change their name? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Oh, dear. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, somebody was talking about Monica Lewinsky yeah. and Monica Lewinsky's dad, okay? Yeah. And how sad for them that the, the name Lewinsky sort of became synonymous or another term for the for the phrase for a blowjob, right? You know, right. I got a Lewinsky. Yeah. And that, that just ruins that name for you. And if, you know, gosh forbid anybody were to be, have the, last, the surname of Hitler or something, I mean, you'd probably want to change that because it's fairly tainted. You can't really make that one sound good. <laughs> Um, yeah, Sandusky, yeah. Ohio might want to think about changing their name to, I don't know, Scandusky or something. I don't know how you do that. Well, I mean, it, it's always been part of like jokes and stuff, that name too. Yeah. No, it's, you know, yeah, it's be hard to live down. Mr. from while. Sandusky, Ohio. You know? uh, <laughs> there's a, vet- a theme park there. There's what? A big theme park in Sandusky, Is, right? is there? Yeah. Great America or something. Man, they're, they're going to be, you know, I, I would not be surprised, though, if it there's some people that want to change the name. Oh, I'm sure. You know. Just those same people that want to change the national anthem, I'm sure they're there. Yeah. See, see and that's that's where I was kind of going with the Heather. <laughs> it, it's all. That's those people. It's all connected. <laughs> it is. All right. So our last topic today is a little bit more about government regulation and infringement and i love this term nanny state don't you love that term <laughs> you know uh, being the super liberals that we tend to be <laughs> which i don't think that we are actually at all i think no, we're, we're really not I we're actually just middle normal. of the middle of the road type right. people so here we have this soda ban and and i guess we need a disclaimer here Yes, my disclaimer is this, is now I work in the carbonated soft drink industry. And much like Fox News reporters reporting something flattering or unflattering about Rupert Murdoch, I have to justify this story with, you know, I now work in the soft drink and beverage industry, and my opinions are no way reflected or, you know, (laughs) in this this argument. Right. But what the hell is going on in New York City, and why can't I get a freaking big gulp there? I mean, come on. This is crazy. If for anyone who's unaware, New York City is proposing a ban on sugared soft drinks of any sizes over 16 ounces. 
So 16 ounces? 16 ounces. A standard can of Diet Coke is tw- or of Coke is 12 ounces. And the ban doesn't apply to – the ban does not apply to diet drinks, obviously. The ban does not apply to fruit juices. And frankly, fruit juices are the worst sugary offenders in the world. Even if it's fruit and natural sugars, it's still a hell of a lot of sugar. Um, it doesn't apply to things that contain 50% or more of milk, and I'm sure there's a whole dairy industry that made sure that that stayed straight. I don't get – Yeah, but, who, but who's getting a 64-ounce milk in a cup right. to go? Cool hand Luke or whatever, you know. <laughs> the one who drank the gallon of milk. Anyway, um, the only reason for the ban on sugary soft drinks that Bloomberg is proposing and enforcing is to combat obesity. And is this is this the way that everyone in New York is going to get slim and trim? Really? I don't think so. You know, here's the thing. This is not the way that you go- – government should not be in the, in the business of regulating what you can drink and what you can't. Because you can still go get oh, – give me, you know, four 16-ounce cups of whatever you want. If you want to drink it, you can drink it. Right. Just, they just remove the convenience of it, or if you're there at the restaurant, they can just keep serving you up until you drink your share. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, there's no yeah no ban on how many refills you can get of your 16 ounce drink. So, I mean, and yeah, how many cups you can carry, you can carry, and that's exactly what they've said. You can have more than one cup. So, but what, luck with that. It, the accomplishment of it really is very minimal if that if anything at best and i mean let's face it if you're going through the drive-thru you want to be able to get a to-go cup that's large enough to accommodate what would have been if you had ate there and got a couple refills it just doesn't make any sense to me on all kinds of levels bloomberg who's a business person right, right. and makes his you know the majority of his money made that way to limit the potential profit income margin for soft drink companies by doing this makes no sense and definitely takes away from New York City's appeal as a free market mecca that it's always been. That's crazy to me. It, it I doesn't seem it doesn't seem like Bloomberg at all. Like, it doesn't. It really, really doesn't. And and if you're gonna combat obesity, why not mandate exercise or why not mandate ban of ice cream or what I just to blame this one I, industry on What about on banning obesity? clothes bigger than like, you know, you can't wear anything over a size 18 or <laughs> you can't, you know, or your pants can't be over 42 inches. Oh, no, that's, that's interesting because then people are going to have to squeeze themselves into things well, that are appropriate. That'd be bad. Or, or go naked or they'll have to, you know, wear, you know, <laughs> something else. Make your yeah, own clothes. <laughs> I don't disagree that obesity is not a problem. I I get it. I understand that. I know that sugary soft drinks are not the healthiest choice for people. But that just seems like that is a hill that you've planted your flag on Bloomberg that I don't see you winning. But that the ban is already being considered by other cities. Boston is considering it now. And I hear L.A. is next on the list, actually, of her. Yay. And and even in my industry, the, the the little slice of the pie that I'm in isn't um, soda fountain sodas at this point. But if if my company wanted to make a bottled soda that was more than 16 ounces, they should be able to make whatever they want. It's, and as a consumer, you should be able to drink whatever the hell you want. And what is this all about? I just don't get it. Is it restaurants or is it uh, restaurants, everywhere? 
Everywhere. Even the supermarket? <clears throat> no, let's see. I mean, does that mean two liters the measure, are off the shelf? Place, no, the measure, it's things that are portable. The measure places a 16-ounce cap on bottled drinks and fountain beverages sold at New York City restaurants, movie theaters, sports venues, and street carts. It affects drinks that have more than 25 calories per 8 ounces, so per serving. And people don't understand the, the labels on drinks, but I'm sorry. Everybody knows that Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, Dr. Pepper, if it's not in the diet form, is caloric and filled with sugar. People know this. I don't need Bloomberg to tell me that it's not good for me. I should be able to drink whatever I want to drink. I just don't get it. Yeah. You know, I, I do see exactly why they call it the nanny state. <laughs> it's, it's weird. And I don't know what the media has done. It feels like every report that I've seen about it, and they do these, you know, people on the street interviews with folks, you know, your average yeah. New Yorker. And so many people think it's a good idea. And I just, I'm really surprised at that because usually New Yorkers are known for their independent thinking and, or not independent thinking, but their crass thinking sometimes. They can be quite blunt. And everyone's, you know, I think it's good, said, uh, Melissa Friedman, she appreciates Bloomberg's many health-focused endeavors, which include barring smoking in public parks. Um, and well, then okay. putting- you know what? Maybe the that's the good debate. Maybe that's the debate, really. Is that where the break of the debate is, that they can tell you not to smoke? But, I mean, how does uh, – I mean, well, we know that there's an immediate effect of a smoker. If someone's sitting there smoking next to you, it's in your face. It literally is right in your face. Right. You know, the secondhand smoke, it blows. You know, it, we, we, we can scientifically look at the carcinogens and you could say, well, you don't have to be there. Well, or the, or the, the uh, restaurant could just say, well, we're not going to allow smoking. But if right. some do and some don't, then I guess that's, uh, you know, it, and it really the way smoking bans were placed in effect anyways were not about the, the restaurant, but was to protect the employees that work there. And I think there have been lots of studies to prove that secondhand smoke, the actual statistics on what that um, isn't that isn't really that great. Like people don't really die from that a lot. That it's not great. But if you're going to sit on the street corner in New York City, you got bus fumes, you got car fumes, you got everything else that is much carcinogenic as somebody sitting next to you smoking cigarette. I, I don't love cigarette smoking. I'm not a smoker. I'm just saying that. There are lots of carcinogenic things floating around in the air. Mm-hmm. And yes, we've all been told that, that secondhand smoke kills. I don't think it kills as much as we've been told that it does. And I think there are some statistics to prove that. And obesity kills. And obesity costs us down the line a lot, right? It really, it, it makes sense to try to encourage people to be healthy. I get that. So let's but turn those libraries into gyms. <laughs> There you go. You've solved the problems of the country right there. Get everybody on a treadmill at the library, right. reading and walking at the same reading time. And Free Wi-Fi and – And only water to drink. And only water. Right. As water. big as you want. You can have as much water as you like. Right. So maybe that's the solution is that cities ought to convert their libraries into gyms and we would uh, – that would be a good idea. That, I could get behind that. You could, you know, see that. You know what? Propose that for that Pomona Library. Turn it into a, <laughs> Turn a, it ma- into a, gym. a massive super gym. <laughs> you know, and, and save save fast a portion of it for free Wi-Fi, so the homeless can go in and check their email. <laughs> check their email. <laughs> I'm the world's worst person today. Oh well, God, I'm glad I'm so back on the podcast. I've spewed all my bad stuff out there. So. Um, 
But I, I definitely don't agree with the soda ban because I think there's no, a tr- you know, it's not like, like cigarettes. People smoke cigarettes every single day. And a lot of cases, it's even more than, you know, just a couple cigarettes. It's not a couple, it's always a pack or two packs. You know, that's how people describe them. So I'm a two pack a day smoker. Right. You know, when you're addicted to that, you are totally just on it. Um, would have Bloomberg been better off putting a tax on a larger size soda? That's what I think would have been the right answer. You can I don't think you, you ban it, you tax it and you make it averse to buy the bigger soda. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, that yeah. could be way to do it. I just feel like it's a dollar extra for to, a uh, a larger cup size, larger than sixteen ounces. Then where's the ta- where's the tax on the Hostess Company, and where's the tax on the Frito Lay Company, and where's the tax on all these other foods, the Dryers or the Ben and Jerry's Company that create foods that are not inherently healthy for us, and that any of them consumed in abundance is bad for you. And so then we should just be taxed. Every time we open my mouth would be text I would be paying. Well, well yeah, you look at Paula Dean down here in oh, the geez. southeast, right? I mean That woman should be taxed, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know not just a little pat of butter, we're talking little sticks. Right. Of butter. Yeah, the butter industry. Everybody should be taxed. Unless you grow, you know, carrots and broccoli. Those are the only things you can eat without paying a tax on them. Right. Did you you saw my posting of the uh the turtles? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I I posted this picture on the internet on my Facebook account of uh, and I don't remember where I saw it but I I stole it and I reposted it and it was of uh, a hamburger wrapped okay. in bacon yes, with you, with hot dogs bacon and you make it look like a turtle it's awesome yes <laughs> I'm sure it tastes amazing right because who doesn't love bacon but well there's a lot of people that don't love bacon. I know. Present company excluded. Right. So I was like. You've had bacon though in your life, right? Or no? Oh, yes. I've had it. You have. Okay. So, yeah. So you know what you're missing out on. Yes, I do. Yes. Oh, darn it. Oh, well. Yeah. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, it feels good to get all this out. It feels good to have had this 50 minutes of time or however long it's been. It's like real therapy. It's not quite an hour. It's close. Is it? Has it been pretty close? Oh, yeah. 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 That's what it says. We've been, we've been jacking our jaws for, for whoa, okay. You never, you never heard that before? I have heard that. The emphasis is not usually on the jack, though. That goes back to our Fifty Shades of Grey conversation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which is why we have the most popular in our class podcast. That's right. Of, of the... Uh, Yes, that's exactly right. Right. Go, go into iTunes and give us five stars. Five stars we would really, for our jaw-jacking. We would love that. <laughs> Star for every jaw-jack. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, I, right. I didn't even know in the Navy that cranking didn't mean cranking an actual crank. So. <laughs> I know. I inadvertently say stuff like that all the time. I'm always talking about strapping on my Bluetooth or something and... Yeah, never mind. So <laughs> it's just never good. Yeah. So, anyways, well, we we did we hit our great topics today, uh, which was basically all the government. <laughs> that was really the overarching topic, right? Was yeah, gov- and a little pedophilia tossed in for fun. Go- government right? government intervention. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, that was it today. Wonder, I don't know what we'll talk about next week. We'll have to come to some conclusions there. All right. Well, Keep singing the National Anthem and go to your libraries, folks. Mm-hmm. Save, save our libraries. <laughs> or anything just so that Jay-Z or Dolly Parton don't write a new one. <laughs> All right, shall we wrap this up? Let's get out of here. All right. So for TJ Talks, I am Judd. And I am Teresa. And we will chat with you later. Talk to you later. We're stepping on toes and, uh, and feet yeah, yeah. and trampling everything.